Well, thanks, Kyle. And again, thank you all for being here with us today. I want to welcome you. Uh, you know, this today is a day when we look back at the year behind and we're uh, and look ahead to what we believe God's calling us to. And we want to do this to be we want to be reminded of why we do what we do before we say anything. We want to remember that we exist to help people discover life in Christ. But even before that, you might ask, well, why is that, why, why is that our purpose? And the truth is because we believe a life in Christ is more than simply being saved and one day going to heaven. It means that we have abundant life for today. We believe that following Jesus actually is the key to bringing health and wholeness and peace and harmony in our relationships. The hope for the whole world is found in a life in Christ. Because we believe that, because we hold that to be true, therefore we want as many people as possible to experience that truth, to discover that life, and to see how that life in Christ can make a difference in your marriage, make a difference in your uh, parenting, make a difference as a grandparent or as a single person. It will make a difference in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your community. We believe that the life of Christ lived out through us in us is the best way to live. And we make no apologies for that. That's who we want to be as a church. And that life is what we're about. Now, let's look at how God has used Seacoast in this last year to help people discover life in Christ. Now, as we look at that, I I want you to know ahead of time, I'm gonna share some numbers with you. I'm gonna share some fun, exciting things. This is not meant to be a flex, somehow showing uh, how we're superior as a church where we accomplish a lot of great things as ourselves. But really, no, this is looking back with a grateful view that God is at work. And that's what we really believe here. It's a grateful view. In fact, it's a very biblical thing to look back. I want to tell you from Psalm 77, verse 12, hear this verse where it says, I will ponder all your work. I will meditate on your mighty deeds. In Psalms chapter 9, verse 1, the psalmist writes, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. Again, in Joshua chapter 4, when the nation of Israel had crossed from the desert into the promised land, they crossed through the Jordan River and they collected stones from the middle of the river and they set them on the side. The whole purpose of it was that they would remember that God was at work. In fact, in Joshua chapter 4, verses 21, 22, it says this, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know this is where Israel passed this Jordan on dry ground. See, for us, as we look back and celebrate, this is our way of meditating, reflecting on the fact that God is at work and he truly is. Here's a few things that I'm so excited about to say. And and some of this certainly is pre-coronavirus, but before the coronavirus lockdowns, every week, this campus is used by anywhere between 800 and 1,000 people throughout the week. Seven days a week, it is being used. In fact, six of the days of the week, we have recovery groups meeting on campus. People who are looking to find hope, they're, they're finding refuge and for their soul, they're, they're recovering, they're finding wholeness. All of this, our campus is used for that. Every other week, we have mops that meets throughout the week. We have almost 100 children who are there, preschoolers here, every other week throughout the year. Kids night out on a Saturday or Friday night and Saturday night throughout the year. Uh, once a month, we have this event where sometimes there's 100, 150 kids on campus being led by volunteers 
and giving parents a night out. Our junior high and high school ministry uses the campus throughout the week. Uh, on Sunday, all of this, and then we have Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings, we have almost 100 volunteers to pull off a typical weekend when it's all set. And that's not to mention our summer camps and VBS and winter camps. Mission trips that we send people on, service projects that happen throughout the week, throughout the year. And then we have volunteers who are spread throughout North San Diego County every single week, whether it be at the CRC Food Bank or DV Shelter, maybe up at Ocean Knoll Elementary School or Sunset High School. In our after-school program, Casa de Amistad, tutoring English language learners, the people of Seacoast are scattered throughout the area and, and God is at work in them and through them every single week. And even in addition to that, maybe some of you, you say, well, all I'm able to do is I participate in giving. I want you to know that we have joyfully, we can report that this last year that we were able to meet budget. That even in the downturn of the economy, that you have stepped up, that God is using your gifts that's allowed us to be generous even more so in this time. So we look back at this year and we truly give thanks to God for what he has done. We truly give thanks because we believe that he is at work and we believe that there's many more things that he wants to accomplish through you and through me, through all of us by his spirit. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk through a couple of the, or our three, what we call kind of part of our mission of being a home, being a family and being a movement of people. And we just want to walk through those and, and talk about what that looks like in the time ahead. And the first one is this. We want to be a church. As we're helping people discover life in Christ, the first thing is we want to be a home for those lost and wandering in their faith. And what we mean by that is we understand that not all who are lost, not all who are wandering even feel lost. There's some people who say, well, I don't need faith. I don't need religion. I don't need God. But again, we believe that there's times in many of our lives when we're looking for something more, we're searching for purpose. And we want to be a church home, a family, a place where no matter who you are, what your background is, your, the lifestyle you're living, that anyone could be comfortable here or among the people of Seacoast. We want to be a home for anyone who is open and willing to hear about Christ. Anyone who's even at odds with God. We want to be a home for you. See, part of that is because we believe that's the heart of God. And that is the very mission that Jesus gave to us as his followers. To reach out and to help those who do not yet know him. Jesus actually once and said this, the story of Jesus walking through the villages, it says that he went through all the towns and villages. This is in Matthew chapter 9. He was teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, I want you to get this. He saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed. They were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. You might say that they were lost. They were wandering. They were searching for meaning and purpose and hope. So when Jesus saw them, he had compassion. His heart broke for him. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. That's really what this is about. Jesus said there'll always be people who want to hear, who want to discover life in him. 
So that's why as a church, in the year ahead, we're going to continue to invest in being a home for the lost and wandering. We want you to know that the budget that we're talking about today includes 16% of the money you give goes outside our walls. It's used for outreach. We don't spend it on the lights. We don't spend it on the buildings. This is for, to help people discover life in Christ, for be a home for the lost and wandering. It goes towards global and local missions. It goes to, towards our investment in the community to bless those who maybe don't have as much as you and I have. Part of our budget that we're looking ahead for invests in our kids and our student ministries and their outreach programs designed to help those who are at that time in their life when they're trying to figure things out to introduce them to Christ. We invest a lot of money in that. We support campus ministries like Crew. We have it in inner city LA, even on the campus, uh, college campuses. We invest in the FCA in our local schools or they have campus programs to reach more and more high schoolers. Even some of our missionaries, our missionaries, some are in very difficult places for the gospel. Some places where the gospel is not welcomed and sometimes it is actually illegal. And some of our missionaries are not in places that are unsafe, but they're actually in places where people are uninterested in hearing about Christ. But we want to invest in that to let the message of Jesus be made known here in North County and throughout to the ends of the earth. This last year, we've even seen through our efforts, our global mission, missionaries, we've seen over 110 people make, confirmed to make decisions for Christ through our global missions, through the outreach to help people feel at home. We've seen even uh, training of pastors and other ministries throughout the world that have an effect on reaching more and more for Christ. We continue to invest in that in the year to come. Locally, this last year, we saw dozens of people make decisions for Christ. Dozens of kids and youth, as well as adults, who've got to a point in their life where they said, I'm searching for more purpose, more meaning, and they found it in Christ. This is from the work that you have done, the gifts that you've given, and we're asking and believing God for even more of that in the years ahead and in the year ahead. So as we look ahead, I just want to throw out one little thing for you to think about here. This is is something that God's just been putting on my heart and we've been praying about and thinking about as it relates to being a home for those lost and wandering. And it's really in the next three to five years, I'm really saying in the next three years, I've been wondering, and is this from the Lord that we want to trust that God wants to use you and me and the people of Seacoast to reach and see 500 decisions for Christ over the next three years? Now, you might hear that and say, that sounds impossible. When I hear that, I say, that sounds impossible. That, that, those numbers don't match up. But with our God, he says, of course, that's what I desire. That's at the very heart of our God. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, it says this, God who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. He gave himself as a ransom for all. The testimony given at the proper time. See, I believe that what God really wants to see is more and more people discover life in him. And we are casting a very big, not easily accomplished size vision to trust God for what he wants to do through you and through me.
So that's just a glimpse into the vision for the next year, just a glimpse into the budget for the year to come. And as we continue on with our morning, we are going to move on to the next part of this vision, the next part of our mission, which is the family piece. And I want to invite our pastor of young adults and of our life groups and one of our teaching pastors, Matt Carlson, is going to come up and share with you some of our heart for being a family of people being transformed. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for starting us out. Yes, uh, we exist to help people discover life in Christ and what we see that looking like. Uh, down the road is that we want to see increasingly that we become a family of the d- disciples being transformed by the good news of Jesus. And so there's just a couple points I want to point out about that is that first and foremost, it is the gospel that transforms. You see, you and I, we are tempted in many different ways. We kind of wake up and we're surrounded by a catalog of substitute saviors and all these different things that we look at are promising life and promising to transform us and to make us into this this great person. And we just want to say, this is a church that puts its, we're putting our foot down on the gospel alone is what transforms. That's where we're building our, our hope is in Christ and what he has done, not what we do for him. You see, the Christian life, it's not a it's not a journey uh, beyond the gospel. The Christian life is a journey deeper into the gospel. And so it's just important for us to understand that we don't ever outgrow our need to hear the finished work of Christ. That we don't outgrow our need to hear it is finished. You see, Christian growth is not the process of me growing beyond my need for Jesus no, it's not, it's not the process of me uh, becoming increasingly reliant on my sufficiency. No, the, the, what Christian growth is, is the process of becoming more and more dependent, dependent on Jesus and his sufficiency. And so when we say that it's, we're transformed by the goodness of Jesus, and we believe that it is the gospel that transforms There's a lot of things out there promising to transform you, transform me, but we're saying, no, no, it's the finished work of Jesus. And so even even telling one another, uh, you know, yelling at each other, come on, man, get your act together, do more, try harder, get better. That's not what transforms our lives. What transforms our lives has been when we hear and we believe the good news of it is finished. So that's the first thing is that it is the gospel that transforms. The second thing is that the gospel transforms us in the context of community. The gospel transforms us in the context of community. I want to read a story I came across that I think illustrates this point really well. A group of friends traveling through Europe were surprised by a stretch of neighborhood in the Netherlands. It was almost dusk, but every home had lights on inside and appeared to have no curtains. You could see through their entire home. What would cause families to do this? A local explained, well, during the war, these people were forced to shut their drapes and turn off their lights to avoid becoming targets of the Luftwaffe. They lived that way in fear and hiding. It became a way of life. You stayed quiet and let no one see you. And one day when the war ended, They agreed to never live that way again. Now it's hard to locate a drape shop in the entire country. What a beautiful picture of our redeemed lives in Christ. 
many of us held up for years, draped behind the fear and the shame. How bravely alive to say, no more. I will live open, true, and free. Yes, there may be danger, but I will not live my life unknown. No more drapes. I love that story. No more drapes. You see, when we talk about we want to be a family, that can be a kind of a scary thought because what we mean by be a family is we're stepping into this identity and it also, it means being known. And that can be a really scary thing for us, the idea of being known. And the reason why we have things like life groups and these, these groups that you can get, get into and get connected is that we want everyone to experience being known. We want everyone to experience being known and being loved and to have the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to invade all of those areas of our lives, the parts of our lives that we tend to keep the drapes up around. And we want to provide environments and connections where the drapes can come down and people, we can be known and therefore loved and therefore we can experience God's grace in really fresh and liberating ways. And so we grow not by keeping people out <laughs> and bluffing our way through life. No, we, we grow by letting a few trusted people in to where they can see the mess and then they can begin to speak the truth of Jesus into that mess. And that's what is transforming. I got an ex- um, a text from uh, Chris Gabley and she, she was okay with me reading this. I want to share with you what she texted me. I love this. She said, I am much more comfortable helping others in need than being the needy one. In the last year plus, God has unraveled me in some areas that need some work, areas where he is redeeming pride, control, anger, image management, etc. He has brought me to my knees and allowed me to ask for help in the midst of the mess. This is a first for me in my Christian walk I'm thankful to my small group. You know who you are. And in particular, two women, Audrey and Melinda. They listen, they empathize, they encourage, they challenge me. And they keep pointing me back to Jesus. I'm learning to really seek out and trust the Lord more than ever before. His transforming power is so much better than anything I could do in my own strength. I love that. You see, that happens not by keeping people out and keeping the drapes up. That happens by letting people in, allowing them to see the mess that is there. And we've said this before, but it's when it's in the midst of the mess where God's mercy is put on display. It's not in the midst of our togetherness. You know, oftentimes we, we try to keep our weaknesses, our limitations and stuff. We try to keep those hidden. And we think of those things as, oh, those are, oh, man, those are a big distraction and those are holding God back from doing something in my life. So minimize the weaknesses, hide the limitations. But you see, weakness, limitation, the mess, that's not in the way of God's plan for you and for me. That is God's plan. And then that sounds a little weird to say that, but those things are not in the way of God's plan. It's, it's when we come to see those things and to call them out for what they are and to allow others to come in to see that it's those moments where God's grace shows up. It's not in our togetherness. It's in when, it's when life is falling apart. It's in our mess. You know, over the last couple uh, months, uh, well, over the past year, 
for sure. And specifically over the last couple months, it's been amazing to see Seacoast live out this identity of family. I want to share with you a story or an example of this. I, I asked our life group leaders a couple weeks ago, I said, hey, I want us to do a little thing that we're going to call sanctified snitching. You know, we're going to tell on each other. We're going to tell on God what he's been doing in our lives. And here's one uh, response that I got. There were a lot, and I just wanted to share this one. Sanctified snitching, here we go. Don't tell anyone about this. This is our secret, okay? No, he said, Mitch and Cynthia Meadows have been such a strong presence for our group. They started out this quarantine baking bread and cookies and delivering them to people in the group unannounced just to help people feel more connected. About a month ago, during all the crazy rain, that was intense rain. You guys remember that? Their house was flooded, and they've been going through the pain of insurance claims and repairs. But through that, they've kept trying to help others and stay positive through the experience. They have encouraged our entire group through this. You see, what I love about being a family on mission is that when we step into that identity, we begin, to, we begin to live that out. It is so contagious. When we see people putting on display their trust, their hope in Jesus, when they begin to express that identity as a family and living that out on mission, I mean, that is contagious. It makes, it makes me want to be a part of it. It makes all of us want to be, we're able to see Jesus in greater ways as, it, as he is expressed through the lives of one another. And so my encouragement to all of us is that you know, the idea of being a family of disciples transformed by the good news of Jesus, you know, that's, that's something that we want to continue to be, but that's who we are. That's who we are. You see, we are, no, we are always, we are no more ourselves than when we are stepping into that and serving one another and blessing one another expressing that identity. So let's keep living from that place of identity. Remember, we're not living for that identity to somehow achieve it, but no, we are, we have received it. It's who we are. And that's what we want to live out and express. And so, especially in this time, Seekos, we've, we mentioned this, when this whole lockdown and quarantine began, we, we said that, you know, the, the church is not quarantined. No, that you can't quarantine the church. No, the church is embedded. It, the church is wherever you are because you have Christ in you. That's where the church is. And so our groups, wherever we are, spread out all over the city, all over the county. These are, these are, these are opportunities. Wherever we go, we have Christ in us. And this is, Jesus is, is, is putting himself on display through us living as a family on mission. And so I'm excited for what is to come. I want to encourage us. Let's, there's going to be a plenty of opportunity to be tempted to hide, tempted to put the drapes back up, thinking that we, we have to put ourselves back into fear and shame. And like, no, let's, let's step out boldly into our identity as beloved sons and daughters of God. We are his kids, his family. And so let's continue to be who we are, a family of disciples being transformed by the gospel. And if you are not in a group yet, I want to invite you to join. There are, there are numerous groups and options for you. We, we, you probably, you've heard us talk about respond.church. I'll mention again, respond.church. Head over there, scroll down, look for the button that says join a group. That's going to give you a little opportunity. Fill out a form. It's going to put us in touch. 
I would love to connect you to some other people that you can journey through this life with and to begin to encourage and speak the truth of Jesus into one another's lives, be set free, and to continue living out that identity as a family on mission, a family of disciples being transformed by the good news. We're now going to transition into our third part, which is we want to uh, be a movement. We, we dream of being a church community that is a movement of people blessing the neighborhoods in which we live and work. And so as we dive into that, check out this video for one of our own, Chelsea Street. Here at Seacoast, we talk about being a movement that blesses our neighborhoods, including at work. So the story I wanted to share today is about how God has been moving in my work through Connections at Seacoast. Uh, about three years ago, I started coming to Seacoast, and shortly after that started my job at a company called Lytics. And three months-ish into my time at Seacoast, Gavin brought a friend named Stacia, and about a year after that, Stacia had the opportunity to work at my company, which was really cool that God opened up that space for her. But ever since I started at my company, I was feeling stagnant, feeling like God had a mission for it and didn't know how to embed that in my workplace. So I would say about six months ago, again, Stacia at this point has been working at my company almost a year. So about six months ago, I really felt this call to be in community prayer, regular weekly prayer with somebody in the Christian faith, specifically about work. So I approached Stacia at her cubicle and said, hey, I think God wants us to pray over Lytics. And she said, great, let's meet weekly, but only if we pray that God would make it five people by the end of 2020. So January 2020, we started praying. And as of this month, May 2020, we now have six people at my company who are praying weekly over our company and that the gospel will be moving through it. So take heart, no matter the vision that God is casting in you, in your work, in your neighborhoods, in your family, sometimes it's a long vision. For me, it was three years. And it's amazing that he fulfilled this prayer within six months, um, but Overall, when I look at the whole story, it's a three-year story, and I'm excited to see what God continues to do for the next three to five years as we cash vision this Sunday together. I love you guys. See you soon. Well, that's an amazing story uh, from Chelsea. I love to hear stories of Seacoast people living out their, their life in Christ being lived out through them in everyday life. That is really what we want to be about. You know, when we talked about this last one, being a movement of people, blessed the neighborhoods in which we live and work. I've added which we live, work, and play. Because really, we believe that discipleship is an all-of-life thing. It's not something that happens on campus. It's not hap- something that only happens when you're in your groups or uh, it's when you're in youth ministry or whatever it is. But it is the life of Christ being lived out in us, with us, through us, in everyday life. And, you know, we get this from this passage in Jeremiah chapter 29. In Jeremiah chapter 29, the nation of Israel is in exile. They've been taken as prisoners out of Israel, and now they're living in Babylon. And it's a time when you would think that the people of God would say, oh, all we want is to get out of here. The the best thing for us would be get back to the church, get back to the place that we want to be, back to the temple. But what does God say to them in Jeremiah 29? He says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles that I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. I say to them, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens, eat their produce. Take wives, become the fathers of sons and daughters. In other words, go on with your life in exile. But get this. Verse 7, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its wealth 
welfare, you have welfare. See, what God's heart for his people is, is wherever you are, be a blessing. From the very beginning, we see in Genesis chapter 12 that God calls Abraham, which was the beginning of this nation of Israel, that later is what we as Christians are taking on. And he says that essentially through your name, all the ends of the earth will be blessed or I am going to bless you so you could be a blessing. See, that's what we believe as a church, that as we're trying to help people discover life in Christ and we want to be a home for the lost and wandering, we want to be a family, people being transformed by the good news of Jesus. We also, therefore, then, we want to be a movement of people who are blessing the neighborhoods in which we live and work and play. Wherever we go, as the life of Christ is lived out through you and through me, it should be a blessing. It should make the world around you a better place because as the life of Christ has lived through us, we become people of peace. We become people of hope. We become people of compassion and empathy. And that's good for everyone. All of us. For us as individuals, the way we live, this is who we want to be. It is actually who we are. That's the life that has already been given to us. Now, it is true as an organization, we have some specific things that we do to bless the neighborhoods. But this is not the only thing we do. We want to do it in our individual life. But as an organization, many times you've heard us say our, our slogan for the last five years has been love Encinitas. We love Carlsbad and Solano Beach. We love North County. We love the ends of the earth. But Seacoast, is, our campus is in Encinitas. So we believe that if the, our church ever ceased to exist, that we want the city to protest and say, no, you can't leave us because you have done such great work among us. We need you there. That's part of our vision. That's why we invest. That's why we do our after-school tutoring with Casa de Amistad. Why we do tutoring at Ocean Knoll Elementary School and invest in the lives of the students at Sunset High School. This is why we send so many volunteers and money to the CRC, which helps those who are homeless or underemployed. It's also a DV shelter. Because we want to be a blessing. We want to bless the neighborhoods in which we live and work. We want to be known as a place where something different is happening. And among those people, something different is going on. We believe this phrase that says we want to have good works to create goodwill for the good news. Because that's why we're put here, to live out the life of Christ, to be a blessing. I want to show you a quick video. This is from the director of the CRC right here in Encinitas. It's a non-Christian, it's not a Christian organization, it's a non-profit organization working right here in Encinitas. But many of you participate every single week as volunteers right there. And here's a word from their executive director to all of you at Seacoast. Check this out. I want to thank uh, Seacoast Community Church for reaching out to CRC and asking a question, how can we help? Uh, Seacoast Community Church has been supporting CRC for a very long time. CRC is Encinitas' community-based, community-grown human service organization. Uh, we provide food and nutrition for people who are experiencing hunger. We provide homeless services and case management for people who are economically vulnerable and find themselves in a homeless situation. We provide prevention education for young people to help keep them away from and out of relationship violence. And we also provide domestic violence intervention.
emergency and long-term sheltering for people who are survivors of domestic violence, as well as therapy and counseling services for them. Seacoast is uh, intertwined and an important part of all of those activities that are going on. We have regular volunteers in our Food and Nutrition Center on Wednesday and Thursday, and we also have great support of our English Tea and those kinds of programs that happen throughout the year. Another key program Seacoast supports is our Holiday Baskets program, not only helping collect and donate toys and food and blankets and jackets, but last year providing over 100 volunteers. In fact, our oldest volunteer for Holiday Baskets is Doris. Doris is 97 years young, and she comes every year to support this effort. So thank you to Doris for her help with Holiday Baskets. And as we look ahead to this next year, we know the landscape is changing. And I know you're wondering how you can help. This will be an especially critical time for food and nutrition. Uh, individual families can certainly gather food donations and supplies that we need for our food and nutrition center. So now more than ever, it's important for volunteers and it's important for private funding to support CRC and the work we do to help our communities hungry, homeless, and hurting. I love hearing that too. So great to know that many of you, through some of your gifts or your donations or through your time, your volunteering, you're making a difference in a lot of people's lives. Sometimes you won't ever see the impact you're making, but trust me, you're doing things that are making a difference. And what we want for you more than anything is to experience the joy of the life of Christ lived out through you as you see him at work. So I love hearing these kind of stories and we hear them about you all over the place. And so we're grateful for you. As we come to the end of our time here today, I just want to throw out one more thing. You know, you've heard a lot about, some about where we're investing. You've heard about kind of our mission and the things that we're focusing on. But there's one piece of this too that fits in with that. And that is this desire for us to be a church that one thing that we have here is many generations. And we want to be a church that's always following the biblical model of each generation passing on our knowledge to the next. So we want to be a church that's always investing in our younger generations, in the young families, in our young adults, our, our students, in our youth. I love in Psalm 145, starting in verse three, it says, great is the Lord and highly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to the other and will declare your mighty acts. See, we want to be a church where we see that happening. We're a church where that is happening and we'll continue to invest in that happening. That's why a large portion of our budget every year goes towards our students and towards our kids to staff those areas, to fund their programs, to invest in outreach there. That's why a lot of our effort and time is in helping young families and reaching out to them. We believe this is a biblical model of reaching from one generation to the next. We'll continue to do more of that in the years ahead. So as we talk about and as we end our time and we think about what are some other things where our money's going through, going to in the year ahead? Well, again, as we invest in outreach as much as we have before 16%, we'll be investing in our kids and in our youth. 
We also this year know that, hey, there's some uncertainty financially. The economy, we're not sure what's going to happen in the year ahead. So we've decided that we, we have some money that we use as maintenance funds, that we always want to care for our facility. But God has blessed us and placed us in a position where we can also set aside some of our money to say, we want to use this to care for sea coasters who are affected this year if that should happen financially because of the coronavirus. We want to be a church who's blessing one another and caring for each other. And we're in a position where because of your generosity, we have been able to set some funds aside to specifically meet needs in the time of coronavirus. Also this year, uh, if we're able, is we're going to begin a long-term plan for the campus. We want to have the lead pastor in the congregation 30 years from now look back at 2020 and say, I'm so grateful that they were thinking of us. So we're going to begin a, the process of making a long-term campus plan. Just like a church before us purchased this property right where we're standing over 60 years ago before I-5 even existed, when it was just a plan, they decided to put five acres of land here for a church. I am so grateful that they did that. We know that we need to start looking ahead. What should our campus look like for ministry in the next 30 years? It doesn't mean we're digging a hole and breaking ground this year. It means we're beginning that long-term plan. And part of that, on phase one of that plan, our desire at this time is that it will include a brand new kids building. We believe that we need to be ministering to our kids in a way that matches the 21st century. Security needs, safety needs have changed from when this building was built 50 years ago. We want to be ADA accessible. It breaks my heart that if a child comes here and is in a wheelchair that he or she might not be able to get to a program because the building is just too old. We have some other needs that we need to address there. And so part of our long-term plan is going to include starting off with a new kids facility. We believe that this will help us to reach more and more families. So again, we're going to be cautious of starting that planning process. We're going to wait and we're going to be very wise with the funds that God has blessed us with. But our plan this year, if we can stay on track, is that we're going to begin that work. And hopefully in the next several years, we will be digging a hole and we will be beginning the process of building some new buildings for our kids and our young families. We're maxed out with mops every week. We don't have a place to put all the kids. That breaks my heart too. We need more space for them. So that's part of our dream as we look at what's coming ahead. You know, one last thing for us is we want to deepen our relationship with our community, with our city. That doesn't cost a lot of money. It just takes some of our time. And some of us on staff and some of the leadership here at the church have been working at getting to know and building relationships with principals, with the city council, with our mayor. We're going to continue to do that again because we want Seacoast to be a place where the name of Jesus is being lifted up, where those who don't yet know him might come here, maybe here on campus, maybe through you and your homes and your neighborhoods and where we see lives transform, where we see some of those 500 that we're trusting that God will bring, uh, make decisions for Christ over the next several years. We believe all that's going to happen through your gifts, but not just your money. It's through your prayers. It's through your service. It's through your heart of generosity. It's through you living out your faith in your neighborhood, in your workplace, wherever you go.
you know what? I actually think this whole season of coronavirus, though it's been frustrating, and it's coming to an end sometime soon, we're making plans for that. We sent out some information about it this, this week, and it's coming. Who knows? A few weeks, few months. We'll have some sort of new normal. But you know what? This has been a great opportunity for us to just say, God, what is the church? Is the church a building? Is it a campus? No. Do we think that's a, a useful tool? Absolutely. Do we want to meet together? Absolutely. But this has allowed us to stop and say, God, what do you want? How do you want to reach people? What do you want to do with us in this year ahead? And I want to invite every single one of you to be a part of that process. When you go and, and vote on the budget, it's an act of worship of you saying, I'm in. I want to, I'm in. I want to see what God does through Seacoast. As you go through your prayers, it's you saying, I'm in. Brothers and sisters, I'm so grateful to you. I'm so glad to be a part of your church and of my church together with you. It is a joy for me and my family. And I believe that God wants to do amazing things through us this year. So thanks for tuning in. We're going to sing one last song. And do not turn off the TV because we have something special for you in this song. This song is a blessing that we are praying over you. We're praying it over our city. We're praying it over our missionaries and to the ends of the earth. And we have a lot of participation in this. So stay tuned for this. Enjoy and receive this blessing. This blessing is straight out of the book of Numbers. And it's called the priestly blessing. So as we sing this, as we reflect on it, receive this song for you and your family as we end. Thanks for tuning in. Listen to this last one.